You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the Manage Mental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. This podcast is propelled by your input and feedback, so please rate and review and leave us a comment on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I am your host, Mr. Blasco, and as always, I am joined by my good friend, the co-host from the other coast, Mr. Mike Mowry. What up, Blasco? I always tend to think of podcast episodes in terms of like week to week, which we've done this, I think, pretty much every week like years of a human life you know how dog years are supposed to be like seven times a human life right isn't that so i guess if you had a dog who was eight you multiply that by seven and your dog would be 56 in human years so the point and i'm i'm going around the bend stay with me i'm I'm almost there this episode is now 43 which is my current age so the so, so the podcast and me are now on par. So this is going to be a fantastic episode. Uh, hell yeah. Nice. In the last episode, we talked about heavy metal award shows. Uh, that was a pretty fun episode, so check it out if you haven't already. We love to hear from you guys, so please continue to write us at askblasco at gmail.com. This week, we get into some myths about music streaming from an article written for DIY Musician by Chris Robley. This is going to be killer, so let's get mental. Yeah, man. So, so Mike, so streaming, dude, it's like, it's, it's the future. It's undeniable. There's no way around it that, that we can... People can complain all they want about, uh, you know, not getting paid what they're worth and whatever, and hopefully that all shakes out in the end. But the reality is, streaming is going to be a part of your life if you want to make music for a living. So I figured we discuss some some myths. I found this article on streaming. I figured we'd get into it and you know weigh in. No, I, I agree, and, and thanks for bringing this one up. I mean, as I run around, and I was in New York earlier this week, you know, part of all of my conversations are, yes, what role does streaming play? What, how much do we need to focus on it uh, at present? And really, for me, uh, because I'm right there with you, you gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta double down on streaming at the moment. And what I'm 
seeing and hearing for the genres we deal with is it's pretty much all Spotify. But I'm curious where it will be in three to five years and beyond. Not that I think that streaming will go away, but will Spotify still be the major player? Or, you know, like we've seen in the past where you had a MySpace that came in and, you know, fell hard. And will there be a different service or maybe an existing service that does it better and becomes kind of the, you know, the flagship. So yeah, for sure. I'm pumped to talk about it. That's for sure. Yes. Well, uh, Chris's article uh, starts like this between conferences, emails, blog comments, and just hanging out with musician friends. I hear a lot of independent artist opinions about music streaming, both plus and minus. Some of these opinions are well-informed, while others seem like they're based on myths. So, let's discuss a few. Myth number one about streaming. There's no money in it. For artists who own 100% of their publishing and sound recording rights, all their streaming revenue flows to them. No label advances, catalog, licensing deals, or complicated splits to contend with. In the major label world, though, most songs are written by teams of people. If the artist is lucky enough to be credited as a writer, they're still often splitting those publishing royalties 3 or 6 or 12 ways. As for the royalties generated by the streaming of a sound recording, well, let's just say the labels have done a fine job keeping much of that dough for themselves. Yeah, which is no different than when they were selling CDs and when they were selling albums. And basically, anytime a label has signed the rights of an artist, they are making sure that they keep the lion's share. Um, so this is no different. I think the, the challenge has been to date is the scale. Obviously, if you went and bought a CD for $9.99 or higher, uh, you know, if the artist is getting a traditional royalty rate somewhere between, you know, 14 on the very, well, not the very low end, but on the lower end and 20, which is almost unheard of. And, you know, and this is again, traditional royalties, you know, the, the artist is, is seeing their, they're, they're recouping at a very slow pace, which uh, I don't want to take it too deep into that. But I guess my point is, Nothing's really changed in the way that, yes, the labels are keeping the uh, much of the dough for themselves. Uh, and the artists who have signed to the label, yeah, it is sort of tricky to get the numbers to a level that allow you to start seeing um, you know, significant incomes. What is your take and experience? I mean, it's just like anything else, right? I mean, like if you're an independent artist and you've started your own record label and you release your own music and stuff as much as a grind as it as it potentially could be you're keeping that dough there's no middleman if you sign to a label there's recruitment that's necessary they paid for your album they paid for your marketing they paid for your advertising and you got to pay all that shit back so this isn't uncommon and then some of the narrative that people might see on the internet of like I wrote a song with Justin Bieber and look at my royalties and it's like three cents or whatever. It's like, yeah, but like, like this, like he's saying here, it's like in pop world or whatever, like it takes 13 people to write a song. I don't know why it just does. Like, I don't even know. I don't even understand how that's possible. You know what I mean? 
but that that's that's what happens. So I think a lot in our genre, we're not really dealing a lot with you know multiple writers. I mean, not in the, in the terms of in the teens, but we're certainly dealing with labels. And um, are labels going to be taking a lion's share? Yes. And how do you combat that in the future as streaming becomes more of the reality and maybe all of the reality? Negotiations with labels in terms of what you're going to get from streaming is going to have to be a lot more transparent. And a lot of what's in record deals now is a little a little nebulous and, and favors the labels because these record deals were all built on an older platform of, uh, you know, analog, physical, physical product. Very well said. And what I wanted to piggyback with is, for me, when I talk about three to five years, you know, or, or beyond, and of course, I'm curious, you know, who will emerge or will Spotify, you know, be the victor. But just like we've seen in the, you know, uh, visual content space, you know, there's platforms like Netflix that have come in and they do direct deals with, you know, essentially artists, producers, creators. And I know there's chatter of Spotify at some point. Maybe it's after they go public, uh, which I think is, you know, they're gearing up to do that in the next six to 12 months. But I do think they are going to make a play to go and sign artists directly, which you know, we're just in this weird place where, you know, most of the, and I, actually I'm, I'm curious because I know you have a couple of long standing deals with some of your artists, but it feels like, you know, if you signed a deal five years ago, it wasn't really written for, for what's happening today, right? No way. It's like, yeah. And so once those deals expire, and we all go out and either look for new deals or, you know, do things ourselves. I think we're just in this weird middle ground as a whole. And we just kind of got to bear with it and get through it. You know what I mean? Yeah, we don't know. We don't know what's at the end of the tunnel. It, 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 it appears that it's leaning a certain direction. Like, I mean, predictably, you could go like, there isn't going to be any physical product in three to five years. There isn't there. You know what I mean? With the exception of a few reliable, you know, albums that are going to be at the, what's left of the space in Best Buy, but we can pretty much assume like, look, I, I'm putting out two albums in January, right? Both of them asked me, so you want to do physical, right? <laughs> like that, like that's where we're at. Like if they're asking me in 2018, if I, if they're sure that I want to make a physical CD or not, you can pretty much guarantee that in three to five years, there won't be CDs. There's just going to be albums that are streaming. No, I think you're right there as well. And there might be, you know, and uh, I guess if somebody told me, however many years ago before vinyl made this huge resurgence that vinyl was going to make a resurgence, I would have laughed at them because to me, I'm sort of like, we've moved on from that. Right. But there is this bit of people that grew up liking to touch physical products that still want to touch physical products. So I do understand why it had the resurgence. Eventually you won't be able to play a CD anywhere. So that will have to go even as a collector. And again, I say that, but then I'm like, all right, you know, no, it's not like, Best Buy was selling vinyl players. It's like they had a resurgence too, but I, 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 it's like I don't ever expect the VHS tape to come back because 
we've absolutely moved on from there. And so my overall point is there will be a limited space for physical. I don't know exactly what it will look like, but for the core core fans that want something to touch and want something to collect, that will exist for, you know, at least another five to 10 years. But what's interesting to me is, you know, you and I are, as I just mentioned at the start of this episode, I'm in my forties. I think you're in that range as well. Um, but like they're the, the 16 year old kids who never learn to listen to things on CD. Once, once that next generation, you know, I guess, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess in 10 years, they're not going to have that nostalgia factor. They're just going to be like, fuck, we grew up listening to things streaming and that's the only way we care to do it. Yeah. Myth number two, it killed the album. So streaming killed the album. Streaming didn't kill the album. Downloads did. If anything, I'd argue that streaming might actually help albums. And help is in all caps. Is that his writing or is that you putting it that no, way? No, that's, that, that's, that's Chris. I figured as much. What, what, is, what do you think he means by that? Like, What is your interpretation? I'm curious. I would think that it's, um, for instance, it, it's like some of the story that's going on now is that streaming opens up, opens up people to things that maybe they wouldn't know before. Meaning that, um, for instance, let's, let's put it this way. I have, let's just say that I have a hundred bands on my playlist for the year, meaning my playlist has one song from a new album from a band. So that means that 100 albums came out this year, and that means that in theory, if I would have wanted those songs or to hear those bands, I would have had to have bought 100 albums, right? At $10 a piece or you know whatever that is, right? That all adds up. However, now I've been able to listen to all these bands for $10 a month, right? And there's bands in there that maybe I wouldn't have taken a chance on their album because I didn't know. But as, as I listen to an album on Spotify, I go, wow, this is great. I have to own it on vinyl. And then I, I order it on Bandcamp or, you know, from the label or whatever. And then I get it. So I feel like I agree with him in that I've bought records that I maybe wouldn't take a chance on that I heard that I like because I want to support the artist. And and maybe I wouldn't have taken a risk on spending 10 bucks if I was unsure of the album, if that makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. And I was having a conversation this week um, about, you know, artists who have members who have done things of a certain caliber in the past. So, you know, let's say you and I formed a new band tomorrow and went out there in years past before you could, you know, before you could stream or even download illegally, people would have gone to the store and probably taken a chance and purchased it because of your pedigree and, and your pedigree, not mine. But what happens now is everybody actually gets to decide for themselves whether or not they like it or you know it's good. So take, for instance, I work with Refused and Dennis has a great band called Invasion. Um, I think if we were in solely a physical product age, he would have already sold more albums on that, you know, 
on that new band because people say, holy shit, it's a dude from Refused. I got to go check it out. But what happens now is people that love Refused, if they hear about it, they go check it out. And they're like, oh, this is different than Refused. I don't need to make that commitment. So I just, it is just such a, I mean, it's so kind of like interesting to me. This conversation could easily be, you know, three hours though we don't want to bore our, our listeners um just every time we're looking at one of these things it brings up something that i'm thinking about each and every single day lastly because uh, we're on number two and it says it killed the album i also think that there are people like you and me and like my great friend mike schleibom from darkest hour who we value an album much more than you know, the next generation or, you know, the youngest generation does because that's what we were familiar with and grew up listening to. And there is something cool about an album, you know, especially if it's bookended and has, you know, deep cuts that you might not ever get in a single-based economy. But again, just like I mentioned in the last one, I think that younger generation, they don't give a shit about an album. And they only want to hear the singles and I think we'll continue to move even in rock towards less content at any given time. Meaning maybe we drop more EPs, maybe we just drop singles again. This isn't today or tomorrow. This is three to five years down the line. Yeah. Uh, myth number three, I can window or withhold to drive physical sales or downloads. So a little explanation here. Windowing is the act of releasing a certain piece of music to different platforms or formats at different times so you can direct fans to whichever outlet benefits you most. Again, that might work if you're Adele, her fans will go where she commands. Don't window and don't withhold. Be everywhere because your fans need you to meet them where they hang out, not vice versa. I agree with this, um, and there are always going to be exceptions, Adele probably being one, and if for some reason you told me that Andy you know, and Black Veil and the label wanted to window something, I think you could probably come up with a good reason. I'm not saying that that's what you'll do, but for developing artists, no way in hell. Get it all out there as soon as you can on every single platform, and do meet, meet the people where they are listening to it. This is interesting because... Uh, a few years ago, windowing was a real thing. Withholding for you know weeks at a time or whatever to drive physical sales. This was a real strategy that we all incorporated. And so it's interesting now whenever you see the shift, whenever you're like, yeah, windowing doesn't even make sense anymore. Like it's that's how far we've come in a short amount of time in that streaming has taken over by that much in this in this length of time to where you go yep it just all has to be up there like it just has to be everywhere well in spotify as they started to emerge as you know kind of the the major player they did something smart they said if you withhold if you window off of our platform we will not add you to any of our official playlists and that's how they got most people who were on the fence to start to come in because people did realize like oh crap if we get on these playlists, that's, you know, helping with discovery, helping, of course, with more plays. So um, I think that was a, a smart move. Um, an interesting aside, uh, that band Brand New, 
um, when their latest album, Science Fiction, came out a couple months ago, and and I guess I should preface this by saying, like, brand new is the exception of all exceptions to me in like the independent rock world. I I've had a f- couple of fun conversations about how I I would never advise a band to do anything that they've done, but when they do it, it works. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. So their album came out. I think they dropped it and they may have windowed it or maybe they just dropped it on a whim. But anyways, it debuted at number one with like 56,000 sales. So this past week, they were back in the top 10 with 30,000 more sales. And it's because that's when their vinyl finally ended up shipping. Got it. So it's just... It, and so I was listening to another podcast um, called Note to Scene that I like, uh, and we'll put the link in the show notes. But they were saying like, "Wow, Brand New had a number one record at fifty six thousand. Imagine if everything had gone at the same time, and not that this really matters, but they'd have had a number one record at almost ninety thousand units. Um, and I don't think they windowed that on purpose. That, as you know, you know very well, vinyl just happens to lag behind on production times. Oh um, yeah, and all of that. Myth number four: It's only a matter of time before people realize they miss having the tangible, physical record or CD. If you grew up with vinyl or CDs, I get it. You miss them, or some aspect of them, at least. But most people who were born in the past two decades don't miss them. Don't need them and won't demand their return. Yeah, and I did what I do best when you send me these great articles with bullet points. Uh, I for, you know, I already basically said my piece on this, and that is, you know, I don't, I think we are gonna not miss CDs, and I would be in shock if they ever come back. That said, I'm still sort of in shock that vinyl had the resurgence that it had, so. Vinyl was always cool, and it was just always cool. Like there, there was everything cool about it. And sorry if I've, I've told this story here before, but back in the cryptic slaughter days, we were putting out records in the mid eighties. Right. And, and that was only vinyl and cassettes. And I remember being in the metal blade offices whenever we were about to release our third record and they were like, yeah, you know, this record we're going to put on CD. And we we're like, what? Like, and, and, and we we're like, this is never going to work because look how small the artwork is. You know what I mean? And that was our, that was our mentality is like albums. It's like they had the inserts, they had the lyric sheets, all the thrash metal band were doing the collages, you know, on the, on the insert. And then you could read all the liner notes and you'd, you'd listen to it and then you'd like hold it and read it and stuff. There was just something so cool about vinyl. So for nothing else, it's resurgence is logical in that the cool factor never went away and even now like record players are cool like you know they they, they've had a resurgence because the people are designing them in a cool way i'd stand to reason that maybe cassettes could come back because i feel like that there's going to be a boom box um uh, resurgence as well. And granted, yes, you can, you know, you can Bluetooth those and they're making all those that way. But I think with the resurgence of vinyl, with stranger things, bringing 80s culture back, my prediction is that the boom box is going to come back in a big way. And potentially that propels the cassette. Interesting. Uh, one of the, and I agree with everything you said about vinyl. I'm curious, you know, how much the first and foremost, the experience is kind of cool. It's like fun to pull out, 
you know, a record from the sleeve, look at the artwork, study the lyrics, you know, look at what else is included. And it is kind of fun to, you know, then flip it over and sort of have that experience. How much is the, the more analog sound? And I, and I got to be careful because there's plenty of people that take digital and just put it right on vinyl. I'm curious if, yes, the experience, yes, the artwork, but also is, is the actual sound file something that people are craving as well? Potentially. I don't, I don't know so much. I don't know that if you put on an album, and let's just say it's the exact same album, and one version of it was mastered for vinyl specifically, I don't know that we would hear a huge difference. I guess in thinking through that, I mean, it's sort of like why Tidal and their quote-unquote superior you know, digital audio hasn't done anything because most of us, myself included, probably 90 plus percent, we're, we're not the audiophiles. We don't need that, like, that distinction. Sure, it's great if you can get it, but, you know, we're more about the song and I guess the the feeling than the actual, you know, difference between the, you know, whatever wave file and whatever title serves up. Um, you know, I guess the other thing I was going to say, because as much as I like to kind of look backwards and try to predict the future, in the whole idea so i'm trying to think if at some point vinyl <clears throat> either goes away or you know diminishes down to something very negligible cd's go away or you know down to something negligible and maybe blast goes right and there's this massive resurgence of cassettes but the experience i'm trying to think how the experience of i guess art will morph and, and transform and, and all I can think of is like, you know, there's a lot being done on the virtual reality front. And then what is that technology that I think exists on the new Apple platform? It's not, not virtual reality, but there's a way to kind of make things in a picture, I guess, come more to life. I, I'm totally butchering exactly what it is. And maybe I should look it up and include it in the show notes. But I guess what I'm saying is, Cool. You and I love to look at albums. We love that big artwork. But that next generation, that can be replaced by this totally different digital experience um, of, of, you know, art, visual art mixed with uh, the audio. Yeah. Myth number five, final myth about streaming. If we boycott streaming, everyone will have to go back to the way it was. Whoever does get together to remove their music from, say, Spotify, it's just not going to make that big a difference because your music isn't as in demand as bigger artists that actually embrace streaming. Then you're just left out of the party because your potential fans will be dancing to another artist's jams. Yeah, I mean, as a whole, absolutely correct. I had an interesting conversation with uh, there's actually a, a label based in Silver Spring called Cuneiform Records, C-U-N-E-I-F-O-R-M. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's been around since the 80s, and they've released a lot of avant-garde and you know very left-of-center music. And I was having a conversation with one of the owners, and she's you know, and I'm not trying to throw her under the bus. I doubt if she'll listen to this, um, but she you know she essentially was saying that she felt that uh, streaming was, she called it slavery, which I think is an interesting term, but essentially 
they were kind of holding out. They're like, we don't think that what we're getting from streaming is, you know, what we should be. And so we're off of those platforms. And all I could think was like, you are just going to get buried. You know, you've got to adapt to, you know, what's happening. As you said, it might not be the most fair structure right this second, but if you don't get your stuff up there, you, you will be, uh, left behind. Yeah. I mean, it's, that is a, a bit of a head scratcher in that. Look, Artists are artists and and they will rebel against whatever they feel necessary. And I totally, I totally back that. But on the other hand, it's like boycotting streaming is like putting out a record, but then not putting it in record stores. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just kind of like, well, how's anybody going to find your art if you don't put it where people look for art? You know what I mean? Like I just, it, it just, it's, it just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't compute. Like I feel like you're working against yourself in, in that kind of mentality. I would agree. And I, and I think ultimately it comes back to, you know, what is a band's goal? If a band is self-funding everything and wants to make sure that they make their money back and they've got the fan base who will support physical, by all means, just release physical. You know, if you're not trying to get new fans or you've got enough fans that will support you, you know, to, to make your investment back, there are no rules. You don't have to be on this platform. You could window, but understand you know, the people that you and I are working with and the people that we're, you know, reaching as uh, audience, you know, as listeners are, I think, people that do want to be discovered and do want to be in the in the record stores, which, you know, now includes, um, you know, all these streaming platforms. I did want to read a quote that I thought was pretty funny from a friend when I was recapping that conversation with the the label based here. It's from Steve Albini. If you guys don't know who he is, legendary uh, artist and producer. And he said... Adapt to current conditions or quit. Bitching is for bitches. (laughs) (laughs) Steve's the greatest. That does conclude episode 43. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. We will be back here next week. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blasco1313. We encourage you to email us any questions or comments you may have for the podcast to me directly at askblasco at gmail.com. If you have listened this far, much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking your future into your own hands. Mike, any final parting thoughts? Uh, thanks again for finding a great topic for us to discuss. And it's, you know, I just love what I love about this is I do get, you know, even though I think our opinions are usually the same, they're different enough that it it inspires me to have more of these conversations. So thank you. As everybody knows, you can find me on, well, maybe you don't know, Twitter and Instagram at Mike Loop. And if you're looking for a bit more, I don't want to call it formal, but structured places to educate yourself, I do have an Outer Loop coaching platform and we've got some really cool products that were that are available for sale. Um, and I'd love you to head on over there and check it out, outerloopcoaching.com. Cool. Thanks, everyone. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.
Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard.